2: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers over at Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, let's introduce him first, because I don't do that very often. He would be our shaman columnist, and he's also a lore aficionado. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe.
1: Hello! How How are you doing today? Well, I mean, I just got a brand new lucha mask today, so I'm really happy.
2: That's cool. I'm consumed with trying to find a toaster. But that has nothing to do with lore, and we kind of have a lot to talk about. So why don't I go ahead and introduce our other co-host, who would be the other lore-focused writer over on Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello, everybody. Rossi's been very helpful and told me which ones not to buy because they burst into flames. So... That's good. I mean if
0: you if you if you don't want to have cool stories about throwing flaming toasters in the snowbanks, I can't help you.
2: I think that there's probably more than enough fire in my immediate vicinity that I don't need to contribute.
1: <laughs> Although I would say That's flaming toasters make a great metal band name.
2: Oh jeez. Anyway, uh yeah, apologies if my voice is a little bit in and out today, guys. We have wildfire smoke from everywhere and it's just kind of Condensed on the valley here. So I've been breathing it day in, day out for the last mm, 48 hours. Fun, fun. Um, Speaking of fun and actual fun, we have had so much happen. (laughs) Since the last show that we recorded, we had the end of the War of the Thorns, the burning of Teldrasil, we had the Warbringer Sylvanas cinematic, we had a different cinematic called Old Soldier that nobody was expecting, and then we just had last week the Battle for Lordaeron come out. All of this, of course, is in anticipation of Battle for Azeroth's launch, which is tomorrow for the people that are listening what? to this on Patreon.
0: What? No. I thought we were going to get a break. I thought this was, everything was going <laughs> to cool down now. What? No. Like, no, we can't have more.
2: No. No, and ne- and next time we're going to be, like, just jumping right into Battle for Azeroth lore because we're going to be playing in the middle of it. So I can finally talk about all the things I've been holding on to. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, do you guys know which uh, faction you're leveling first?
1: Horde.
2: You're going Horde, Joe?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going
2: Horde. Okay, what about you, Rossi?
0: Uh I'm going to I have 4 characters I'm going to focus on. I've two our alliance, one's horde and I haven't decided yet about the fourth. It's either going to be my Orc Hunter or my Night Elf Hunter. I haven't decided which yet.
2: Okay. I am jumping into coltiris immediately because I've been dying to do that since Quel'Tharas was, you know, a thing. Back in Warcraft three <laughs> Ever since we first, you know, went to Theramore, helped out Jaina Proudmore. I'm like, where's your homeland? Why can't we go there? And we can now, and it's gonna be great. But I also have um I have a horde alt that I'm taking through uh Zandalar pretty much the second I finish the Coltira stuff. I don't know. I, I by the time we record the next show I should have two one twenties. So
1: Yeah, I'm looking at probably about the same but once I once I finish with my horde, I probably will flip over to Alliance, which is I'm still looking for a place to shove my Alliance tune somewhere. I still don't have a home for him.
2: Ah, uh-huh. so. OK, so let's just let's just jump into this. Um. As of our last show, we hadn't gotten the Burning of Teldrassil cinematic or anything yet. Um, We hadn't gotten Warbringer Sylvanas, although we knew it was coming out. And when it came out, it turned out it was one and the same thing, because uh, Warbringer Sylvanas played at the end of that whole Burning of Teldrassil event. It was, um, how do we put this delicately, a little polarizing for the Warcraft community. They were not happy with it, however... I would say that it was, once again, absolutely beautiful artwork and beautiful story, even though it was really kind of heart-wrenching. What did you guys think about that?
1: Why don't you go ahead, Rossi? Okay.
0: Um, I don't like the way some people reacted to it, and I don't like it. I mean, I don't think you can say, wow, I really liked watching half the Night Elf race die. Because that's what happened. Half of the Night Elves on top of that place died. And that's not fun to watch. So I can't say I liked it. I thought it was very powerful. It was very affecting. Um, It certainly made me hate the Horde. Like, straight up. uh, I want the Horde leadership dead. I don't want peace with them. I don't want to negotiate with them. I want to put them in the ground. So yeah, as a player, my first visceral reaction was just F this. F this forever. We've been trying to have peace for like all these years, and no no more, never again. If, if Cadgar dares to show his face to me and try that, you know, in neutral faction thing, no, I calm down after a while. Cause it's a story, but it's very effective. I mean, you see, you watch that thing. It hurts, especially if you ever like,
2: There's, it's <sighs> kind of like you have to um, divorce yourself from the story to appreciate what you're seeing, because what you're seeing is kind of a masterclass in storytelling. It's not a happy story. It's not a. It's not no. a fun story. It's not. But it punches you in the gut and makes you feel.
0: I, I was talking about this with somebody, and I made the point that, like, I think we've both talked about it before. Like, you know, where you leveled first and all that. I, I did a tweet where I said it just hit me that this character can never go back to the places that mm-hmm. they leveled in. They're gone. Like when you, when you go through the Darnassus portal, you don't go to Darnassus anymore. The portal is still there. It just dumps you in, in Lordanell where yes. there's fighting and screaming and, you know, arrows everywhere. And,
2: you know, you I can't can talk I can't... to the dragon to revert it, but, yeah, but it's not the same. Yeah. That doesn't
0: count. Like, Cause you know, you're, you know, your character is in a place that isn't there. You're
2: visiting a vision of the past. You're not yeah. visiting the actual yeah. thing.
0: And so there's like this moment where I, I remember like looking, I have a, I have an alt on uh who's currently in like the little village out Stolinar, and that alt is level 10. And I logged on to that alt and there they are in Dolinar. And I realized I'm never leveling this character so I can go back to Dolinar without having to be like, you know, two time shenanigans. It's just there's all these things that the character did. Like my my current warrior, the one I've been playing all Legion, I rolled that character back before uh, we call it before Cataclysm Uh, and I leveled her to level 20. And then I didn't play her anymore. I just had other things to do, other characters. I do this a lot. I level characters to 20 all the time. Uh, it's just a thing I do. And uh, then I decided when Legion was was announced, I'm like, oh, we're going to go see uh, all these places in the Broken Isles. They're all like Night Elf places. I'll level my Night Elf. And then the invasions happened. And I was like, and I'll do it through these. So it was super easy. And I leveled her. But she had stuff in her bags from like the old days. Like she had arrows in her bags because it I leveled her back when warriors used bows and bows took arrows. So yep. she had like, she had a stack of arrows in her bag and they were like, um, Dolinar arrows or something. Some name like that. Some, uh, I had like, there were like stones from the fur bogs out there. I had all that stuff in her bags. And of course I got rid of some of it cause you know, who, who cares? Right. But I was thinking about it just, you know, it's very hard to see that, and to not feel like a connection to it. It would be like, for a lot of players, it would be like, what if they destroyed, um, I forget the name of the, the human starting area, uh, the, the the Abbey. It would be like if Goldshire. they destroyed the Abbey Northshire and Goldshire. Abbey. If they destroyed Northshire Abbey and Goldshire and all that was just gone and you could never go there again.
2: Okay, just, I do have if, to interject that there are probably a, a subset of people that would not mind if Goldshire they <laughs> <suddenly> went <laughs> up in flames. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, gotcha. But still, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a big change, and it hit really hard. And I think part of the problem is that we had two weeks of it. We had two weeks of build-up to that moment. We had the week of just going out and playing. And you guys, you know, you did that, whether you mm-hmm. did a Horde or Alliance side or both. I did it on both. There's like a lot of build-up, and then you have that moment, and that moment is the, is the end of all that build-up. It just ends like that. And, and the, the Alliance then, when you're Horde, it ends when you burn it. Yeah, You're done. If you're Alliance, you then have to rush to the tree.
2: It was intensely uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Can, can, can I talk about that or do you want to talk about that?
2: Um, well, what happens is you have to go to the tree and, of course, everything is on fire and you are given a quest with a countdown timer where you have to save as many citizens of Darnassus as you... It- Possibly. It's an impossible quest. It's, you have to save as many citizens as you possibly can by trying to put out the fires that will not go out because the whole dang tree is on fire. And you're sitting there watching your little counter thing count up, but you're only able to save like maybe a handful of people from buildings before your timer runs out. And you're overcome by smoke inhalation, and then you wake up in the temple in Darnassus, um, and you're shoved through... Well, you're not shoved through, but you have to evacuate. That's it. You're done. Anybody else that is left there, they're gone. And it's it was, you know, okay, particularly with all of the wildfires that are going on right now, um, it kind of hit hard. I mean, it hit hard regardless, but just with, like, the current stuff that's going on. And, you know, they didn't time it like that. They didn't do that on purpose because...
0: They've been working on this expansion for two years. Yeah, yeah. they've been
2: working yeah. on this for forever, so it's not it's not like a reflection of, like, current current events or anything like that. It's just, it's kind of unfortunate, especially for players who are currently in an area that's going through that kind of thing. It's like a an extra hard punch to the gut. You know, um, you run into again Greymane, who has come to find his wife, and he and Mia both make it out okay which is good because i was afraid i was afraid they were going to kill me and i'm like no 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 gen's already been through like enough that would can have, he a just have sure his a way
1: to turn him into a monster if he, his can wife he, would have died can he this? just
2: have his wife because there are so few wives <laughs> in this story as it is can we not get rid of the one who's like really stubborn and really resilient can we just keep her Can we keep Mia safe? Can we put her in a bubble somewhere? Okay. Anyway, um, and once that's all over with, that's when it's done. And everything that was in Darnassus, uh, the vendors that have, like, unique gear, like the, um, the ones that sell the unique battle pets, the ones that sell the mounts and things like that, they're all camped out in Stormwind now. There's a bunch of refugees camped out all patch. over, all over Stormwind now. If you go into the Stormwind Cathedral, there's a bunch of a, there's a bunch of refugees that are just kind of like be in the process of being healed. Um, and that's there's a big chunk of them in the in the
0: pumpkin patch next yeah. to the, uh, the embassy. And quite frankly, they're doing some weird stuff in that pumpkin patch. As a night off warrior, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, uh, "Sister, could could you explain to me why we're what we're doing to the giant ancient in this pumpkin patch?" And they're like, "Nope."
2: Okay. Just, they were just healing the few ancients that survived, which was also just kind of another, oh my God, moment. Um, so, yeah, it it hit hard as an Alliance player and it didn't stop hitting hard as an Alliance player. And I think the worst part of it, I mean, I am aware as somebody who is looking at a story, again, you kind of have to divorce yourself from... The personal side of things where you're thinking in terms of your character and what your character is thinking and all of these horrible things that are going on and you kind of have to take a step back and just look at the story as it is as a story and that was a really impactful thing that they wrote there um and it was good story because boy did it ever make me feel and you know some of my favorite stories are the ones that make me cry buckets um at the same time I think part of the problem with it is when I read a book and there's a, there's like there's that section that makes me cry buckets or whatever it's okay cuz I can immediately move on to the next chapter and figure out okay when do things get good again all right we're going to go <laughs> we're we're just going to keep going here you don't have that option in an MMO we had to sit there in that space of Darnassus is gone Teldrassil is just gone and we had to sit and live with that for a week before any kind of, you know, strike back or any anything like that happened. And I think that sat kind of uncomfortably with people. The other thing, you know, when you look at Warbringer's Sylvanas, that's, I, I, I kind of want to talk about that. Because we had Delorin, who is on her way out the door, pretty much. She's got arrows in her back. And she has this small conversation with Sylvanas. And it seems like the smallest of conversations. And in that instance, Sylvanas just like seems to make a snap decision where she goes from we're going to capture the tree and use everyone as hostages to we're burning the tree. And a lot of people were kind of confused about that and didn't quite understand. They were like, that was really spiteful and that made no sense. Why did she do that? Um, The other thing that we had come out over the last couple of weeks here were the two novellas. Um, one of them was Elegy, and that one was about the Alliance side of things, and one of them was a good war, and that one was about the Horde side of things, and I think you got kind of a clearer picture of what was going on in a good war, uh, because Sylvanas wasn't just making, like, a snap decision there, she was... Mm. Being I don't know if cold, but logical. The thing is, is the reason that Sylvanas was hunting Malfurion all, for all all that time that we were in Darkshore and we saw her doing it. We, you know, when you were a Horde character and you were playing through those quests, you saw her constantly trying to track Malfurion down um, and take him down. And I believe that the stated reason was she wanted to kill Hope for that side, for the Alliance side.
1: She wanted to unhinge Tron.
2: Right. And killing Malfurion was the easiest way to accomplish that task. Well, she left killing Malfurion to Sourfang, who didn't carry it out. And she saw that he didn't carry it out. And then she had that little conversation with Delarin, And then she ordered the tree burned. So it seems like part of the implication there is that it wasn't just those you know, that brief exchange that she and Delarin had. It was also the fact that Sour Fang didn't do what she wanted done. So she had to find a different way to accomplish that same thing. Mm. To just basically crush the hopes of the other side.
1: So I have a, a weird take on it. Like I've been complaining about this line of, of thought from Sylvanas since day one. Go for it. Um, and, and a good war added a lot of context to it and at the root of it I kind of understood at least the the sort of the strategic logic behind taking and keeping the tree and it made sense in the capacity that it was explained that if you occupy that space it causes a rift between the alliance and puts pressure on Anduin because if he doesn't you know listen to you know the night elves and go back and try to retake Darnassus that's going to irritate the worgen who have lost their city and it's been under the control of, you know, the forsaken for how long now, and they haven't moved to take that back at all. And the idea was to sow political discord uh, and keep the Alliance busy while originally minimizing any non-military deaths. Now that concept obviously flew out the window, but I kind of, I saw where they were going and it, it made sense from a strategic standpoint, but then you saw like this sort of unhinged moment start with Solana's and that's something that I think hasn't been portrayed well through the questing, is that these all of these things, all of these decisions seem to be made rashly and without context. And I think now I understand that at least the burning of the tree, it was an emotional trigger, it was an emotional response, and it very it was clear that she wasn't thinking clearly because what she wanted to cause a wound that wouldn't heal, but. At this point, even if she knows that, you know, she knows that Malfurion's still alive and Tyrand escaped with Malfurion, all that's going to do is give them a a unifying cause to swing back against the Horde. And it also goes with what uh, Delarin said to her, which is, you know, she's made an enemy of life. She doesn't understand life anymore. And it's becoming more and more clear. She doesn't understand emotion anymore. She doesn't understand, you know, how living creatures bond any longer and we, we talked a little bit about that with her her weird sort of offers to her sister and then you know her her affection for nathanos and how that's really creepy and weird but to her that's normal she doesn't understand that like oh i burned the city and killed a whole bunch of innocents that's going to make them you know that's going to cause discord instead of wow i just did a really horrible thing to people that were beloved uh and people that had families there no, this isn't going to unify them at all against me and and give them common cause to to put any squabbling aside and come heck for broke after me. Like it's just I'm accepting a little bit more that she's making outlandish emotional decisions while still trying to 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 claim that she is emotionally dispassionate. and And I think there's some more of that with the whole sacking of, of or or Battle of Lordaeron, But,
2: and we'll get I to that in a bit.
1: Yeah. I, I still don't like it. Like, I still don't like where this is going and the potential for for some of it, but I can understand a little bit more, and I think we're starting to see a little more depth of what's there, and I'm hoping that we get more, I think, I, I hope we uncover more of the mountain, more of the glacier.
0: I'm going to just say this from having played my Tauren, because I did the whole thing in one burst on my this, this not this week, but when it, when it was all doable, uh... One of the things I do think interesting here is that the complicity is not on Sylvanas. The complicity is on the Horde. Oh, yeah. All of the Horde. Oh, yeah. No. Every agree. player who goes through these quests. You're complicit in a campaign that from start to finish was a purely aggressive act against somebody who had not declared war against you. You, you murder people who are in their their homes, you know, their towns, not doing anything to you. You poison them with a poison that is told to you up front is going to kill them. You seize their land. You campaign through an entire territory and capture it. You then do the same thing to Dark Shore. You do these things.
2: I to, did those to, things. To me, and it's it, interesting
0: to it how it. We're talking a lot about Sylvanas, but when when uh, Saurfang, we should we gonna we I, I gotta we gotta wait on that part. But there's there's complicity in the Horde here, and Sarfang is the character who who conveys it. So when we talk about Saurfang, let me know and I'll come back with this.
2: It reminds me. A little bit of what I felt like as a Horde player going into Missa of Pandaria. Um, the stuff that happened in Jade Forest, I was not comfortable with the things that I was doing. Because as I was doing them and as I was helping out the Horde and the Horde forces there in the Jade Forest, I could just kind of feel in my gut that something bad was on its way that nothing good was going to come mm-hmm. out of this. And then when it got to that, you know, that end cinematic for the Jade Forest where, where everything just kind of falls apart and the Shah is summoned and um, that beautiful, beautiful statue that they had spent however long collecting the Jade and building piece by piece, it's like shattered into pieces. Um, and the Jade Serpent can't, do what she's supposed to do and, you know, inhabit the statue, make another one, that whole circle of life, whatever you want to call it. That was our fault. That was absolutely our fault. And I could feel it as a horde player, and it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. This is that only on an order of magnitude. beyond it so far that it's just it i I didn't like anything that i was doing
1: see and that's that's part of my problem And, and i agree with with rossi that like as a horde player we are complicit in this but it's like it's one of those things where the questing difference like everything is framed as if you're you know you're only dealing with combatants but it's like my character personally like there was no choices or options for me to like say but why are we doing this and then have like you know my war chief yell at me and berate me and force me into service or something along those lines, and and that I think that's the part that sticks with me the most and makes me feel the worst about it, because my character is a healer. My character would be preferring to, you know, take our wounded and go and heal them. I wouldn't want to murder innocents. That's not the way my character is in my mind. And there was no out for these characters. And I mean, we know in the past that they've had some alternate t- texts. Based off a class or whatever, where it's like, you know, it's not quite the same interaction with NPCs. Well, the end result may be the same. You feel a little bit better about it. You didn't have that here. There was no no forgiveness.
2: The game is pretty much making the assumption for you that your character is going along with all of this willingly. And I think that's where it stuck with a lot of people, because a lot of people were like... No, I really wouldn't want to be doing this. Why are we doing this? And, and why then, don't I have a choice? Why can't I say anything?
1: And, and there's a certain amount of detachment too from the inhumanity of the actions as well on the horde side, which I found interesting. While see, you know, are... I gotta argue with you here,
0: because I just, again I just did them. You when you're playing horde and you're doing stuff there, um, it is not detached, the inhumanity of what you're doing at all. Um you can see Defenders versus invaders. You can hear people going, "No, my home as you kill them.
1: There's also a difference yeah. between fighting an enemy combatant or a warrior that lives in that town, which I, I understand that's there. And what I was going to say is the burning of Tildrossel specifically. And here's a big divergent moment, and you both have talked about this. When the tree burns on the horde side, you're you're not hearing the screams of innocence. The tree's too far away. It's it, the the enormity of what you've done. it's almost like it's not fully there for the horde player. Like you, you, you know, what do you think? Do you think that they've, they've evacuated people? You don't know what happened on there. You don't know how many innocents died. You know, you don't know exactly what happened. You have an idea besides the tree being lit up on the Alliance side, you are forced, like you said, with that, that quest. And it is a very powerful quest um, where it's an impossible quest. You are not able to succeed in it. It is, meant for you to feel the futility of it, the weight of it, the the destruction of such an iconic thing. And I say this as a person who played uh, a night elf for the majority of classic WoW. Um, and, and like seeing that happen and seeing those things happen, there's a gravity to it. There's, there's a sort of finality to it that isn't... The emotional gut punch isn't quite there for the Horde. And for the Horde, it's framed very much like this is war. And on the Alliance side, the personal like affectation of it is there the 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 punch the the gutting of your very core of existence is there and it's it's interesting to see that disparity between the two
2: okay let's take a minute here and let's talk about sour because sour was actually a bigger player in this than anybody really surmised i mean he comes across as a fairly big player in the quests that you play, but he you he's gone for a, a good majority of it. Sylvanas sends him to Fellwood and you don't actually see him until you're closer to the end of the campaign. In the novella A Good War, you learn more about Sour Fang And who Saurfang is, because Saurfang's been around since, like, old Draenor. He came through the original Dark Portal. He's fought in the First, Second, and Third Wars. He's fought in the War of the Shifting Sands. He's brought his son from Draenor to Azeroth, uh, expecting things to go great. And they did not, obviously, in Wrath of the Lich King. His son was killed and then raised as a Death Knight. And then we had to go kill him again. And Saurfang was left with carrying his son's body back to where he had brought him from in the first place. Um, Sarfang's been through a lot. And the picture that we get with A Good War, what I appreciated from A Good War, was that it showed this from the perspective of a tactician, and a tactician who wasn't necessarily comfortable with being asked to do what he was being asked to do. Sylvanus asked him pretty flat out she said if we want to you know if we want to conquer the alliance at this point what would be the best way to do that and he came up with a plan and his plan was Teldrassil okay and the thing is is like he didn't come up with that plan it was more like Sylvanas was kind of suggesting the plan and then he was offering his input with it and he was the the point of the matter is he was okay with the plan. As soon as he figured out, oh, we want to capture Teldrassil. He was okay with that plan. Um, but that plan was kind of reliant on capturing Teldrassil because the thing is, is if the horde holds Teldrassil, if the horde is holding Teldrassil and has a bunch of alliance citizens in its clutches that it can use as hostages, it has an advantage, a strategic. Strategically advantage strategic. hmm, I can't. I can't words right now. I'm very sorry. It's it's a strategic vantage point. Teldrassil is because it's one of it's one of the few major alliance ports on Kalimdor. So, well, especially
1: when you consider the Drenai have exhausted all of the resources and the, the conflict that we just had. They have. So they're not really a threat on the radar. That's they the have. last threat on that island. But or the, thing the,
2: is, the thing is, here's the important part, and this is how Saurfang was thinking about it. If the Horde holds Teldrassil, what is the Alliance going to do? If they go to take back Teldrassil, then you may have Gen Greymane who's going to say, wait a minute. How come we're helping those guys, but you didn't help me go take Gilneas when we were, how come, how come Gilneas wasn't important enough, but this place is? And suddenly there's fracture lines and there's divides within the alliance and they start fighting with each other. And that's what they were kind of looking to do here, because if they could get to the point where everyone in the alliance was fighting with each other, then going in and striking at Stormwind would be a lot easier to accomplish because Stormwind wouldn't have all of its allies right at his back. And then Sylvanas could do what she wanted to do, go ahead and take Stormwind strategically, the logic is there and it's sound. And Saurfang was okay with that because as far as he was concerned, they weren't going to be killing civilians. They were going to be capturing civilians. They were going to be holding civilians. And if you play through the Horde side of those quests, there's actually a point where you get to uh, is it Lornithil? The, Ooh, yeah, that's
0: Lord, the... Lord and El.
2: Okay, up north. Lord and Al. Um Saurfang arrives from Fellwood, he's come around the back way, and he has you go into Lordanil, or however you pronounce it. See, I always think of Dark Shore, and like I always think of the one that's Aberdeen. It's not Thinking Aberdeen. of Aberdeen no. and Aberdeens in pieces because of the Cataclysm. Dark Shore just not seen a lot of good. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you meet up with Saurfang, and he says, "I want you to go into Lordanil, and I want you to go get the civilians and." tell them to come over here and we are going to question them and then we're going to capture them and he never once says go kill these guys you go talk to night elf NPCs and you tell them where to go and they go over to the horde side and the horde has prisoners they aren't they aren't being killed they're being captured and to me there's a big difference there because Saurfang knows that this is war and he knows war. He's fought in a lot of war over his, the course of his lifetime. But he also knows the honorable way to fight a war. And the honorable mm-hmm. way to fight a war does not involve killing civilians. It does not involve striking people in the back, which is what he did to Malfurion Storm Raid. And as soon as he did it, he regretted that action, like almost instantaneously, because that wasn't a fair fight. And it's all about the fair fight for Saurfang and for the orcs pretty much typically speaking mm, you no. yeah.
0: I I'm gonna stop to say about this but I'm gonna wait you finish just I had to get that out or out would have choke
2: He didn't <laughs> he didn't he was not happy with the fact that he had hit Melfurion in the back He was so unhappy about that that it made him second guess everything But he and... was still
1: okay up to that point with you know the horde murdering merchants and innkeepers and stuff like that too so it's it's weird
2: i don't know if he was okay with the merchants and innkeepers because like i said that quest has you go in and very specifically find those civilians and tell them to get out
0: that quest happens after you've already done a quest in ashenvale where Mm -hmm. you sneak into an alliance town and poison people to death uh huh. And was
2: that Sylvanas ordering that action, or was it Saurfang? It,
0: it was. He told. He's the one that told you to fly up there and connect up with that horde spy. He did.
1: Yep. He, gives the he, he gives you
0: not her. you. can tell me. You can tell me. He didn't know. But that's not. Here's my thing about about Saurfang as a character. Why he's an interesting character to me. He does often talk about honor, but one of the reasons he talks about honor and talks about never forsaking it is because he has repeatedly forsaken it. Uh, going all the way back to the first war, when he drank the demon blood and became Blackhand's k- lieutenant, he was one mm-hmm. of the three big Blackhand, Black, you know, Blackrock Clan lieutenants.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he remembers Shatrath. He it, remembers the fall of Shatrath and All of that. that. Stuff.
0: When when Orgam Doomhammer killed Blackhand, he made Sorfang his second in command. Which means everything the Horde did in the first and second war, he is number he's number two. He's been
1: complicit in, yeah,
0: and. He knows this, and he doesn't dodge it, and I'm not trying to say that he has dodged it, but his continued presence in the Horde has always meant that the Horde continues from Blackhand and Doomhammer to the present day. It's the same Horde. It's, it's obviously changed over time. You, you, you get the ship Theseus problem. As new people come in and old people go out, is it really the same anymore? That argument can be made either way, but you can't argue that it, there's no continuation, because here's Sorfang. When his back is put to the wall, when defeat is on the line, his honor becomes flexible. And it always has. And that's why he's got such a bug up his butt about it. And that's why he's so afraid he's never going to get his honorable death. If you look at his family, you look at Broxagar. Broxagar fought in the war just like he did, but Broxagar got his, his heroic death. How did he get it? Going back in time. And <laughs> he fight went as- back in time, I- yeah. 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 But fighting alongside night elves. Taronda. And Malfurion were his friends. He got his honorable death helping them fight off Sargeras. But Varok doesn't get that. Varok doesn't get to have an honorable death when the demons show up. He doesn't get to fight alongside them. Instead, he destroys their home. There's a tremendous dissonance in, in Varok Sarfang. He wants to have an honorable life. He wants to, to die that honorable death. But he's too canny a tactician. You give him a problem... And you're like, how do we do this? If the only way he can think to do it is dishonorable, he'll still do it. And that's exactly what you see here. And it's really it, it does make him an interesting character, much more so than he would be if he was just all honor all the time. Because you get to watch as he realizes, oh my God. What am I This doing? is this is where I've taken us. It's, yeah. It's much more interesting than the whole, you know, garage, if you try and drag us down the dark path, I'll kill you myself. No, because he looks up and he realizes, oh, the blood is on my hands. Mm-hmm. And that's why Old Soldiers was a fascinating little short, because not for like just the, the typical, you know, you've got to live for the Horde thing. For that moment on top of the wall when when the, uh, I, I can't think, remember his real name. I yeah, think, we should talk about it.
2: Yeah, I think my favorite moment from Old Soldier was when Saurfang is standing there and he's standing up. Obviously, obviously what happened to Teldrassil. What happened at Teldrassil means that the alliance is going to strike back and they know it and they know they know that the alliance is coming for Lorderon. 'Cause cuz that's just logic and that's probably you know they had spies out there who were who were looking into that information it just tactically speaking that's where the alliance would strike i mean varian all but promised that back during the original battle for the undercity he was like, you know, we're going to come back and we're going to take this place back again. Never happened. So his son has come to do the job. And you see Sourfang and he's standing up on the battlements and he's looking out at all of these alliance forces that have just torn a swath through Tirisfal Glades, through Brill. Brill is in pieces. There's nothing left of it. And he's standing there and he's looking at all of this and he starts going to take off his armor. And the troll comes up Um, and ah, I wish I could remember his name. I can't remember his name, Zappy Boy. Anyway, so Zappy Boy comes up and says, "How many? How how many are there, or how many do you think are there?" Or he says something like that. It's it's like how many? And Sarfang's looking, and he has this little flashback to Teldrassil, and he says, "Too many." He's not talking about the Alliance forces there. He's not. He's talking about the people that died. The people that died because Sylvanas ordered the place torched and. horde jumped to and there's a flashback in the middle of old soldier where it goes back to that moment directly after and he's just flat out he he talks back to her he tells her what have you done they're going to come for us now they're all going to come for us now and this was not the plan essentially um
0: now let's i don't I, I'm going to say this because I don't think it gets said enough. People mm-hmm. talk about the logic of the plan and so forth. Yeah. The plan from start to finish was monstrous. Yeah. And the horde was bad right up the back for doing it. It was a and I'm gonna call it an evil act. But nevertheless, there's a difference between an evil act and an evil act that you cannot possibly there's a difference between punching someone in the back of the head to win a fight and killing their family while they watch to win a fight. And Sorfang is okay with the first one. Like he'll, he'll talk about honor a lot, but if he has to, he'll, he'll cheat a little bit, but there's the difference between hitting you in the back with an ax, which he regrets, but he did in the impulse moment, he'd do that, but his impulse moment would never lead him to burn an entire city's worth of people to death because it's just, it's the monstrousness of the act is far beyond the scale. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: The interesting thing, though, too, especially with Sarfang as a character, is his justification or self-justification for why he's choosing those actions. Uh, and, And it's I hate to say it's purely selfish, but it comes across almost like that, because when you're reading A Good War and you're going through, you know, even some of the stuff that they show in the cinematic from from Old Soldier, he's a very broken orc. Like he's broken for so many things because he's lost everything he thought he was fighting for and everything else. And so he has it in his head. And and this is said during the novella, this is said during multiple times that all he has left is the horde. And so when he's making these decisions, particularly in like the questing leading up to the burning, it's I'm doing this to keep the horde safe. I'm doing this to keep the horde safe. This justifies my action. It's very, it's almost Machiavellian in that way where he's, he's convinced himself that this is the necessary steps to secure the continent to keep his horde safe the only thing he has left doesn't have his wife anymore he doesn't have any of his friends really anymore uh his son is dead twice over and he has been denied even joining his ancestors in death multiple times because something always you know he either finds a way out of it or something happens that he just doesn't die and so all he has left is the the, the last remaining child he has which is the horde and you said it earlier like because of him it's the same horde as before and and i think that's it i think that's that's interesting to me is because he that's what he hides behind almost and up until the point of the burning of the tree like he's justifying like you know i can go ahead and we can we can kill their warriors that's fine and we'll take till and i'll make sure that the civilians are safe um and we'll use them as a bargaining chip to keep the alliance at bay and that will keep the horde safe and i don't know i just i i find that fascinating.
0: There's an interesting point to the, the quests leading up to it, and I do want us to get back to the old soldiers in Saurfang, but there's an interesting point where every, as Sylvanas leads you from quest to quest, she routinely disparages the night elves as savages. Over and over again, these savage elves will do the same to you. You have to strike because these savage elves you know, will strike back. There's a, a lot of projection there. The Horde uses the same terminology that's often used against it, to justify what it does, it's it's really interesting to see it from Sylvanus's perspective. Sorfang at, atop the wall. what you're talking about the the visual the visions he's having. The reason he makes the decision he makes, which is to walk out and try and get the uh, good death he's always been denied. The fact that he's talked out of it. That's all interesting and it's well told. But what I really found fascinating of the character is the the fact that it's not it it's not any one particular thing he's done it's just the weight of it the the, the overall weight of where he is at that exact moment that i found
2: toldros really... was the last little feather on a giant giant pile that was already weighing down on him pretty heavily um so let's let's jump from old soldier cuz old soldier was interesting cuz he was having this conversation with this troll and the troll was very much like voice of the horde eager to battle eager to do all this other stuff very admiring of Sourfang, and sour it seemed like Sourfang's reaction was more like why are you admiring me i've done nothing to be admired
0: well yeah because he, his life has been like we've said yeah. before i think i called him the orc that lived yeah i mean he's just he's been through so much he's been that the second to orgrim and he just he's can't
2: been... he can't get that honorable death that he really well, wants <laughs> But and I'm to, curious to people, to, who, oh, sorry,
0: just, to, to someone looking at him from like a lot of modern horn players, I feel like in a, in a lot of ways Zappy Boy is the modern horde. He's yeah, the modern I horde did. player yeah. who doesn't get how awful a lot of this stuff is, and just thinks you know, yay, we're the horde and we're great because we're we know we're we're underdogs who stand up together. And but you guys don't actually see the full. Like that's why I think I think I used the line that this is the expansion where we're the soul of the horde finally gets decided. Mm-hmm. Because I don't disagree with that. Up until this point the horde is basically coasted on you guys joined whenever you joined and you think the horde is this, but you've forgotten all this other stuff and now you're gonna see it. Now you and kinda you're have to gonna...
2: confront it head on. Yeah.
0: And the Alliance one I, I have problems with the Alliance story. I don't know if we're gonna get to them, but I will talk about them if we do get to them. But we should probably continue going to the actual Battle of Lordaeron, otherwise I detract us even more.
2: Yeah, the Battle of Lordaeron was actually kind of interesting because Old Soldier, the end of Old Soldier has Saurfang decide not to continue on his trek across the battlefield for that honorable death. Um, Good old Zappy Boy says, well, the horde is all I have. Because he asked him, he says, he, he, he asked him something about his father. And the guy says, oh, no, my father's dead. Uh, the Horde is all I have. And that seemed to strike a chord with Saurfang because the Horde is all he has. And he realized that he can't just abandon them. He can't just leave them behind on his own, you know, personal quest to find that honorable death. He can't just leave them in the lurch, not when somebody like Sylvanas is leaving it and maybe not in the best way that it could be led there's something going on here, something bigger going on here, so Saurfang decides to stand and fight. And that, that the Old Soldier cinematic leads directly into the Battle for Azeroth cinematic, where you know, you see Saurfang on the battlefield. That's the reason he doesn't have full armor on the battlefield, is because he ditched half of it when he was doing Old Soldier, and he didn't get a chance to put it all back on again. That's fine and everything. Um, We jump into the actual Battle for Lordaeron, which was last week's events, and, um, First off, the battle itself is interesting because Anduin is there trying to gain a victory. It's like you struck us; we're going to strike back. You took you took the Night Elves home. We're going to take your home directly. And Sylvanas's response to that isn't okay. It isn't okay. We're going to fight you back. It's okay. We're going to lure you into the center center of it, and then we're just going to destroy it because I don't care.
1: Um, I don't know about that though, actually. And I was thinking—I've been thinking about this. I, I, ever since before the storm, I was wondering if this was premeditated.
2: I feel like it probably there's, because... there's some degree to which it was premeditated because she she knew what she was laying out. She she well, knew what she was. If the alliance for I mean... some reason broke through those walls, she had plans in place to lead them exactly where she wanted them to be.
1: But I'm wondering if it's more than that. I'm wondering if this also has to do with Kalia Menethil and the fact of what happened with, you know, Ooh.
2: the idea. Oh, the
1: idea, God. Yeah, hold on a second. With the idea that now she has, if Kalia had survived, she doesn't know if she's dead or not because literally she shot her with an arrow. And while Sylvanas is a great shot, I mean, she was being carried off the field by one of the strongest light wielders on Azeroth right now. She doesn't know if she lived or not. She doesn't know if she's still around. She also doesn't know any of the survivors or anybody else that came back immediately who saw anything and integrated back with Forsaken Society are going to utter anything about Caliomenethil being alive. So destroying Loderon does a couple things for her. It that that contingency plan, one, keeps it out of the hands of the Alliance, but also forces a symbol that could potentially unify the Forsaken against her out of Kalia Menethil's hands, potentially.
2: It's number one, you don't get a victory. I'm taking it from you. Mm-hmm. Number two, hey, Kalia <laughs> you don't have anywhere to go back home to. It's gone. It's irradiated. There's there's no getting in there. It's It's actually, if you go to... Um, the Undercity right now. You can't cross the border of the Undercity, even on a flying mount. It will kill you just yep. instantaneously because the place is so irradiated with the plague. It's bad.
1: Azorite infused plague.
2: And it wasn't. It wasn't the Alliance that did this. It was Sylvanas who set it all off, and that was kind of devious on several different levels. Um, but. And, I mean, we could go into that, like, crazy or whatnot, but I feel like we need to, like, before we wrap up for the show or anything like that, we have to talk about Jaina Proudmore, okay?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was real happy. (laughs) We
2: have to talk about Jaina's, what Jaina's been up to, because while all of this has been going on and the whole Battle of Darkshore and all that other stuff, Jaina's been on her own personal quest. And we saw it first back in Before the Storm. She's in one very brief section of the book where she arrives in Dalaran, and the only person she speaks to the only person she sees is Caligós and she basically apologizes to Caligós and says look i'm not coming back i can't come back i've had too much happen and i need to figure out who i am cuz everybody keeps telling me that i need to move past this and i can't and i every time i think i'm starting to i just fall right back into that hole And I don't know what to do about it. So I need to figure out who I am. Sorry, bye. And they part ways. From there, we get the reunion comic. She goes back to Theramore. And while she's in Theramore, she's reminded of what happened there. Not just the city being destroyed, but like before that, when her father arrived. And that she let the Horde basically kill him. She stood aside and let the, let the horde go take care of him, because she believed so strongly in this ideal of diplomacy and peace that she would, you know, let her father die, um, and that leads her to go back to Colterus because she hasn't been back to Colterus since she left it to go study in Dalaran. Like since she was a little kid, she has no idea what it's like there or anything. So she takes a trip there and she disguises herself and she discovers that she is not a, uh, well, she may be a well-known name in Colteris but it's not for good reasons. Because her father was beloved he he was really a beloved man and everybody looks at what Jaina did as something so unthinkable and unspeakably evil that they've written songs <laughs> dedicated to how perfectly awful she is as like a warning um And at the end of Reunion, in the bottom corner, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, in the bottom corner, one of the swords in the bottom corner of of the uh, comic, on the very last panel, it's got that silver necklace on it. And it's the necklace that she picks up in the Warbringers cinematic, which we saw, um, where she sails out to sea, and she's kind of confronted by the specter of what she's done and how she's perceived, and she lifts her dad's ship out of the water and says i'm listening now father and then she takes that ship and sails it to lord her <laughs> and arrives just in the nick of time through through a cloud bank
1: all i'm saying is we asked for magical sky pirate jana and we got magical sky pirate jana like I, I i felt so happy and it was such a cool entrance Like, seriously.
2: Here's the interesting part about this, right? She arrives in the nick of time. She casts a spell that kind of eliminates the plague on the field and allows them to actually enter the city. She, like, swings the ship around and uses arcane construct cannons to blow a hole in the side of the city so that the Alliance can get in. Um and she's there at and the then very she end. She joins on the yep. she's, she's at the very end. There's a cinematic at the very end. And that cinematic plays differently on the Alliance and Horde. On the Alliance side, it's fairly straightforward. On the Horde side, there's a little bit of a preamble. And we're going to talk about that in a second here. But on the Alliance side, uh, Andwin, Jaina, Alaria, and Gen go walking down that corridor. And there are some striking similarities to the original cinematic in Warcraft 3 where Arthas returns to mm-hmm. Lordaeron and kills his father and it's kind of creepy that there's like those elements there. They walk into the throne room and Sylvanas is sitting there on Terranus's throne waiting for them and she says something about Teldrassil being burned and if you pay attention to Jaina's expression in the back the look on her face is the look of someone who doesn't realize Teldrassil was just torched hmm. Like, she's hearing all of this for the first time. Um, And I don't know if that's the case, if that was deliberate, or they just wanted to give Jaina an expression, but I like to think it was deliberate. And in that case, that means that she was just setting off for Lordaeron when she got Daddy's ship. She was setting off to Lordaeron specifically to destroy it, whether the Alliance forces were there or not. And it was just, it happened to be that they were attacking at the same time. I don't know. That's the impression I was getting. What do you guys think?
0: I mean, it's possible that she knew that the Alliance was attacking Lordaeron because she could scry it from a distance and go like, oh, well, then I might as well go there myself. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of possibilities there. I, I don't know if Jaina knew about Teldrassil or not. Obviously, I've seen the same clip as you. But <sighs> my biggest problem with that cinematic is that basically after all this time, it kind of felt like we were going to have a moment of Alliance victory after multiple cities have been destroyed by the horde, we were gonna have one actual alliance victory and we didn't get it. They took it and gave it to Sylvanas. So Sylvanas now has done two things and nobody has done anything about it. And that for me felt really bad. It felt really envirating. Like I remember like watching like I, I think I, I watched the Janus and Matic and that's a huge mood lift. It's like, yeah. I mean, it looked like we we're gonna get, we were getting beaten, but then Jaina shows up, and it's this great moment. And then that cinematic played, and I went and did it immediately after it. on my like, it's not even a, you don't even feel victorious on Horde's Horde side.
2: You do not. You absolutely do not. You
0: go and do it on Horde side, and you get to evacuate the city completely. By the way, all the Forsaken get out, not half of them, all of them, and that's annoying. Uh, but you you evacuate the city, you you do various things, and there's a moment where. Like, Sorfang has his realization, like, you know, this entire thing, this, we weren't, we're not fighting to defend the city. You know, when he, when he watches, there's a point in the, in the, uh, the cinematics that they show where Sylvanas basically just says, use the blight. And they, they spray the blight out on the field and it kills her own people.
2: And she doesn't care. She just no, not raises even them little. as skeletons.
0: There's a skeleton army comes up and it's like, there's Torn in it. There's a uh, alliance and horde shields. She they're mindless undead. Now they're not even forsaken. She kills forsaken and raises them as mindless undead and doesn't care. And that's the well, moment where Sorfang just doesn't. I'm sorry. You know, that,
1: I was going to say, that's kind of a big thing. I don't want to gloss over that. Like she, she Sylvanas, not, not Valkyr raises necromantic undead.
0: Yeah, but they're Skeletons. just mindless undead. The whole point is the Valkyr and the ones she needs for minded. Oh,
1: undead. Oh, I know, forsaken. but I'm We've never seen her do that.
2: She hasn't pulled a, Hey, I'm going to raise the dead before. She's that's never usually done pretty that. much in the Lich King's wheelhouse, which is yes. why it's kind of concerning.
1: Yeah, I was that. And that's why I'm like a little, I was almost confused. Cause like, and, and here's the thing, like, I know that they love to pull abilities from other games into, you know, wow. Like, you know, heroes of the storm abilities wind up finding their way in, like with Lily Li and Chen and stuff like that. And I think that's cool. Um, This isn't even something that they're pulling from another game. I take it back.
2: We have seen her raise skeletons before. When? Do you guys remember End Time? Do you remember the Echo of Sylvanas? She raised a ring of skeletons that walked towards her, and you had to kill one of the skeletons to get out of the way.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: That was the alternate future bad Juju Sylvanas.
1: That's right. I totally forgot about that. That was the the purple skeleton thing. Uh-huh.
2: So we've seen her do it before, but just in that one context and it was part of like a dungeon that took place in an alternate reality that supposedly yeah. did not come, supposedly did not come to be.
1: Interesting.
2: Mhm. That's the only place I've ever seen her do that. Well, until now, obviously. Yeah. Um What I found interesting about the Horde side of this whole cinematic thing, though, was obviously, you know, you do see Jaina arrive on Horde side, and it's just as cool. (laughs) And yes, you're a Horde player, but you're at the same time, you're kind of like, hi, Jaina, it's so good to see you again. Oh, you're blowing up the city. Oh, you're probably going to kill us all. It's okay. You're cool. I love your ship. (laughs) You know? Somebody had something on Twitter where they were like, they were posting how it was weird because their character was like fangirling over Jaina while they were desperately trying to escape. Anyway, uh, the Horde side of the the Horde side of all of this, Sourfang has had enough, and he stops at, at the. Uh, just before the entrance to the Lord Ron throne room. And he has words with Sylvanas and Sylvanas essentially says, fine, you can stay here and fight, die for all I care. I don't, maybe I'll come back later and I'll raise you so you can continue to fight for me without any arguments. And she walks into the throne room, and they close the doors. And Bane is the one that closes the doors. And this is the part that's really powerful to me, because the expression that they got out of that Torin model was just it was so good. Like cinematic team is so on point because the barely suppressed rage when he turns around and he says, you've left sour out there to die. And her only response is if it concerns you that much, you're welcome to join him. And when he walks off, does he say anything about the war chief? No, he says for the horde. And then he walks mm-hmm. off. But the, when the way he says for the horde, there's this unspoken and not you.
0: <laughs> I, I got to say, it's not very smart of her not to just kill him. Yeah. Because he's already rebelled against one war chief, And they made a point in war crimes that he could crush her with his bare hands. Yeah. Killing Bane would be a smart move right now. Letting him live is not. You already know he's not particularly loyal to you. You've already confronted him on that issue. You think that if he tells the Toran right now, we're not doing what she wants... That they're gonna fight well, it's him? it's not
2: like uh, it's not like he has much of a support system left because what Thrall is gone, obviously. Um, yeah. Sourfang was was Bane's friend, but Sourfang is obviously gone. Vol'jin's not around anymore. Vol'jin was the one that helped lead that initial rebellion against Garrosh. so it's like, who's he gonna go to? Lorthmar? Lorth- I don't Lorthmar he needs to knows go to anyone? Yeah. That's
0: my thing. I think at this point. I don't know. I'm saying it's not smart to leave him where he is. No, but I, it I is absolutely
2: like... a stupid, stupid move. I totally agree with I that. I get that she's
0: probably got enough enemies. I did I'll say one thing I did like doing that cinematic. I mean doing the uh horde side thing. I enjoyed watching Nathanos repeatedly fail. Yeah, that was good. That's pretty fun. Nathanos has a is is a dangerous character, but he is not the leader of men he thinks he is. No. He did not once successfully lead that he he's like, "I'll do it, you know Sorfang's gone, I'll lead. Sorfang was actually winning fights, man. You didn't win one of them every time you said we're going to win, you lost every you know, I get that they were probably playing to blow the city up the whole time, but they didn't want to do it if they didn't have to do it. There's definitely a sense of well, we'll just blight them and drive them out that way. So that was fascinating for me. There's a lot going on here, um but it does definitely not have. Nobody feels like they win this at all. It does not feel like a victory for either side. I feel like at this point, though, if you're an Alliance player, I get why you'd be really upset because we've had multiple cities fall to the Horde and the Horde gets to take our one city that we were going to take from them. They take it out. It's the Horde took it. The the Horde's count of cities destroyed just this, you know, pre-expansion is two. Uh, So I I get why people are a little upset. I was I was underwhelmed at the time. Yeah,
2: it was kind of like you can't have it or we you're you're driving us out of it so we're going to make sure that you can't keep it
1: can we also at least agree that there was that one happy sad laugh that they at least they put into the burning of Teldrassel? the this is the, this is fine worgen
2: oh jeez, that was so bad
0: it yeah, was I, I didn't i mean i didn't find anything that funny about that man that was just where that just made it worse i'm just i, I gotta say this too though um I know that expansions are real hard to plan out and that you have to put some characters in the backseat. Because people were asking me this week uh, in the queue, like, it, doesn't it drive me nuts when this character doesn't show up. And I'm like, you can't have all the characters. No, no there's not, not enough time in a
1: day. you, you got to focus. Time.
0: Imagine how complicated the battle for Undercity would have been if everybody who might have shown up showed up. Uh, but at the same time this expansion blizzard please if if you ever ever give me anything and i know you will never give me my shoulders so if you ever give me anything please have shandra's Feathermoon show up and do something
2: mm, yeah i wish that she had uh done something i mean it would have been nice uh she was in the novella she was in elegy very briefly if i remember correctly yeah um, but not, it was, it was very brief it wasn't it wasn't like she was there the whole time or anything. It was just a very brief kind of side mention sort of thing. And then back to the stuff. And Elegy ripped my heart out. Thanks, Christy Golden. You're really good at doing that. <laughs> Particularly, you know, the last chapter or so. Just, yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Just, you, you already, just turn the knife a little harder. Ow. Um. I think what's fascinating here, the points that we need to remember going forward is that, Saurfang has been captured. He has not gotten the honorable death that he's been looking for all this time. He went out in a blaze of glory fighting the entire assembled crew of the Alliance that showed up to do that scenario. And he was kind of a tough fight, um, but not as tough as he is when you're trying to raid Orgrimmar. Um, At the same time, when it looked like Saurfang was going to die, he didn't because Anduin let him live. And Anwin said, take him to the stockades. And apparently that's just going to come up later. Um, and it, not too much later either, because Battle for Azeroth launches tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Patreon, if you're listening to this on Lorewatch, it launched last week. What are you doing? Go play the game. <laughs> either that or you've already been playing the game for a week. Um, regardless, what I find fascinating here is that Lizard did a really good job of weaving together the comics, the animated shorts, the cinematics, and the storyline, along with those novellas, to kind of, like, tell the whole picture. I don't know if we got as much of the whole picture out of just the quests. I feel like maybe they could have introduced more to the quests. But even then, even then, taking that into account... I think this is probably one of the most involved and story-driven pre-expansion events we've had, like, ever. How do you guys feel about that?
1: I actually Uh complained about this um, a couple other places where I feel like I I don't mind having more in-depth stuff being elsewhere when it comes to storytelling, as long as the meat or the heart of it is still, like, present in-game. But this is one of those things where I feel like it really wasn't and that if it, it, one of my one of my friends played through the event but didn't read the novellas, didn't watch the cinematics because he didn't have time to and like he was just dumbfounded by some of the things that were happening that there's no context for in the quest. So it was it was a weird choice to me.
0: See, I I don't agree that there's no context in the quests. I straight up think there is, but a lot of players don't want to see it or believe it. And we I've seen this a lot. I've seen like we get emails every day. Like, what if Ashara is possessing Sylvanas? What if Sylvanas did it because the old gods are in the tree? What if people want not this not to be happening? They want there to be any reason aside from this is what my faction has always been like for this to be happening. And well, I think that's to a degree. I think that's because this is some hard, hard stuff, and it's also because we only got one week, and it's all in the Battle for for Lordaeron scenario for the Horde side of things. Like, we've got two weeks of seeing the Horde invade Darkshore. We've got two weeks of that, and you only get to see, like, that's, if you're Horde, you're taking part in morally questionable things that you don't have an option to say no to, and if you're Alliance, you're watching, you know, one of your cities get destroyed, and one of your, you know, some of your people turn into refugees or just killed. Then the next week, You get a scenario and that's it. There's no quests. There's no unfolding story. It's all in that scenario and that's it. And it's really good. It's a good scenario. It's well done. But it doesn't, like, I don't know. It feels more compressed and there's not enough time for the nuance of what's going on back and forth and how it all unfolds. I feel like they should have given this one more week than they did. Yeah, they could have put more stuff in. They could put more stuff in because, I mean, before I read the, the novellas, in some ways the novellas made me angrier as, as a player. But I also, as somebody who likes reading stories, they also made it, okay, here's the context, here's the real stakes. Like, I didn't know how many people died on, on, on Darnassus until I read Elegy. And that part where, like, you know, Teranda is praying to Alun for, like, some form of mercy for her people, and so Alun puts them all to sleep. So they won't experience burning to death. Like, Oh my God. You can, I,
2: it was I hard that. to read. <laughs>
0: I read that. And then I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to level my horde character because right now I want to throw him in a volcano. I, I don't want to look at him. I don't going up to, to get like gear on the, my character on those, those quests afterwards. I, I seriously like was like, no, this isn't happening today, dude. You're going to have to miss out on a day of gear. I can't play you today. I can't even look at you today.
2: Here's the interesting part, though. We had all this lead in, and like I said, do you guys think this was probably one of the most involved, like story-wise?
0: This is this is like compare it to to the way Legion did it, where it was just demon invasions constantly. Yeah, that was just all all the Legion lead up was was demons, 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 demons. This was you know this happened this week. Oh God, this was on like
2: an entirely different level. And I mean, even with even with um even with the the lead up to cataclysm where we had you know there were like elemental unrest in the city and all this other stuff that was going on it didn't have quite the the weight of all of this. Even Wrath, and Wrath uh, Wrath arguably had one of the better lead-ins to an expansion, because the whole thing with the zombie plague and players spreading it around, that was pretty fantastic. But I'd argue that it still wasn't as story-heavy as what we just experienced. The thing that I find interesting is that all of this story that we just finished playing through, it's not going to be relevant once we get to Coltyrus and Zandalar, all of a sudden, other things are going to take priority, like almost immediately, and the stuff that just happened isn't going to be addressed for a while. Um,
1: but the interesting thing is that the motivation for us going there is very much rooted in it is stuff rooted that in all of this. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, it's the we need a navy, we need a navy. It's so we're the, go we here. just
2: finished kicking the snot out of each other. Neither one of us is very powerful because we just expended a lot of our power and a lot of our fighting forces up on Argus. We need more backup. And both sides are looking for more backup. And this is all framed on the backdrop of, hey, our planet is dying. Maybe we should do something about that. So there's a lot going on leading into Battle for Azeroth. And I'm really, I just can't wait. I want it to be tomorrow already. I want to be playing this already. Please let me just roll around in Boralus for like, you know, a couple of hours. <laughs> I, I so want to go play. Need- I want to go play right now.
0: <laughs> I do think it's interesting, not just that it's the most story we've had, because I, I think it's deba- it's not debatable. It is the most story we've had in quite some time. It's like if they took the opening to Cataclysm, the opening to Mists of Pandaria, and the opening to Legion, and kind of crammed it all together to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, I mean, less hectic than the invasions got. The invasions being at the end, you were like there was literally continuous demon invasions. They were like going back to back in some cases. I remember like it was one time for I leveling to... alts. Yeah, it was weird for leveling alts, but in terms of story, there was no story. It was demons are invading. That's it. That's all you got, man. Whereas, I mean, you
2: had that bit where you had to go to Carazon and a bunch of other stuff, like that kind of thing. Yeah, there was, that was a little overplayed. bit there, and, and, but that was about it. Mostly, it was just about the demon invasions. Yeah.
0: And uh, but but one of the things about this one is not just what you were talking about in terms of you know we're going to immediately start doing other stuff, but in terms of what we're going to be doing. It feels like everybody is coming out of the woodwork. That's why we need the Ashara short.
1: Yeah, yeah. which is still pending.
0: Yeah, the, the, they mentioned it. They've, they've hyped it. And then they didn't show it to us. I want to know what that Ashara short is. I want to know what what's the missing piece here. We've got the Alliance and the Horde. What's the missing piece? What else is going on? Because right now, that's the thing we all need to know before we can make any further judgments on the story is what story are we actually being told? That's the um, problem with unfolding yeah. narratives of this everybody,
2: type. Everybody, everybody is very, very invested in this Horde and Alliance fight right now, and you know tensions are running high. And I understand that and everything, but the thing is, is like this was just the introduction to this really big story that we've haven't even gotten to look at yet. And I'm really curious, like you said, what's missing? What are, what are the pieces we haven't been shown yet? And where is this all headed? I'm excited well, to find I... out. <laughs> Why did you? If, if you're not going to show me the Ashara thing, why did you tell me it was there? See, and that's,
1: <laughs> and that's what I'm wondering. Like, I've been I've been wondering the entire time in the build up if there's going to be a swerve somewhere, and I'm wondering if the Queen Ashara short, if that Warbringer is going to serve as the precipice for the swerve. I don't know.
2: That might very well be the case. Anyway, we are running over time, so we need to go ahead and wrap up here. Um. For you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We've talked about Before the Storm a lot. Um, it's a very much a part of that story that we've been experiencing the past couple of weeks. There are actually pieces in the book that take place in cinematics that we've already seen in game, the epilogue for Legion, where both sides discover the Azerite. That's actually explained in detail in the book and there's a bunch of other stuff in the book as well that's really relevant to what's going on you can make that your free audiobook download if you want to and the person who reads it is the same person who is the voice of Anwen Ryn in game so it's a really good audiobook um, if you're not interested in that particular title there's a bunch of other Blizzard titles on there as well um, there's also thousands of other books you can just go ahead and pick and choose um, you could download those you can download any other audio book that you really want to pick up and listen to at blizzardwatch.com slash audible and every sign up helps support the show and everything that we do if you do have an email for the show, and we did have a lengthy list of emails today that we did not get to because, quite frankly, we had so much material to go through that we didn't have time to go through it. Um, next time we record the show, we will probably be talking about that Warbringers as Shara Short if it does show up. And I feel like it's got to show up in the next week or two here. Yeah. I think
0: good I, 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 tomorrow, literally, as we're recording this right now, we just clicked over. Less than 24 hours remain yeah. until Battle for Azeroth drops. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I feel like that, that one has got to show up in the next week or two. So, we will obviously be discussing that. We'll probably be talking about the opening of uh, Battle for Azeroth, obviously. And then um I really want to dedicate some time to answering you guys' emails because we haven't gotten a chance to do that yet. If you do Isn't have I... any. Sorry?
1: I was going to say, and I can't wait to talk about the stuff that I've been sitting on soon.
2: <laughs> okay, so uh, if you have any emails for the show, please feel free to send those to podcast at com. Put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. And like I said, next time I'm going to be like... I I, I want to try and focus some good time to answering emails because we haven't had a chance to do that because it's just been lore, 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 lore for the past, like, what, three, four weeks, month or so, something like that. Yeah, um, in the Blizzard... last couple shows. Yeah, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Um, everybody, take a deep breath. You know, like in through the nose, out through the mouth, or however you're supposed to do that. I don't know. Anyway, take a deep breath take a few steps back. I know the last couple of weeks have been especially stressful, particularly for people who are really gung-ho about the, whatever faction they happen to play. There's been a lot going on. It's been turbulent in the community, but we're about to step into a brand new expansion, and I think it's probably going to be a really good one. Everything that I've seen on beta has been fantastic, so I can't wait to actually like sit down and play it. Um... Final thoughts. Which zone are you guys going to jump into first, story-wise? Rossi.
0: Oh, um, I'll probably start playing... If I start playing my Torn, which I think is probably what I'm going to start playing because I'll be home alone mm-hmm. when the game opens, I'll probably go to um, Nazmir first because it's... Yeah. It's I cannot so say Nazmir is like... I mean, in terms of raw creepiness... Nazmir is right up there with anything I've ever seen in World of Warcraft. It is a sick, dangerous place.
2: Okay.
1: Um, if if
0: not, then I'll figure it out later.
2: Joe, which one yeah, would you um, recommend? Which one are you jumping to story-wise first?
1: I am also going to Nazmir for a whole lot of reasons. Um, mainly because I think that there are, there's a bunch of loose ends that we've been wondering about for years.
2: That are going that to be answered little... there. <laughs>
1: they get answered there or further along the track there so okay. uh, it, it's well worth the time
2: okay um I'm going to be playing an alliance character from the get-go and I feel like I feel like I'm gonna go to Drustvar first because Drustvar is probably one of the more interesting zones alliance zones that we've seen in a very long time the history of the area is fascinating and it kind of goes into the history of Colterius itself and how the whole kingdom was founded. Well, maritime kingdom, whatever you want to call it, city state. There's a lot going on in Drustvar, it's very, very creepy and it's creepiness on a level that I haven't seen since pre cataclysm, like Eastern kingdoms or not Eastern kingdoms, Eastern plague lands. Um, if if you've ever played in those zones And you remember what those zones were like And how creepy the Plaguelands were Back in the day You're really going to dig Drustvar um, So yeah nasbir trust those seem to be like our, our votes for lore heavy areas but the thing is is there's lore all over the place <laughs>
0: yeah I'm, I'm one of the places i really want to go is uh i want to say Stormsong valley
2: Stormsong valley is also very yeah. very good i, I want to
0: go there really badly but yeah there's a lot this this is a good expansion in yeah. terms of that kind of thing
2: okay anyway that wraps us up for the show thank you guys as always for listening and we will see you again in two weeks